Welcome to From the Mixer. I'm your host, Chris Senegetto, and my guest is McKinley James, whose newest EP, Still Standing By, is available on his website and Spotify. It's awesome. You should definitely check it out. Welcome to the show. Hey, well, thank you so much for having me, Chris. It's a pleasure. It's been a while, probably like, probably almost three years, actually. I would think, I think last time we were in Brooklyn was, um, because that was at Hank's Saloon, right? It was, yeah. I think so. Well, I always have to add on two years when I think <laughs> back because we had, because we had COVID. Um, so I think that was twenty eighteen. Maybe no, that was twenty nineteen. That was like September of twenty nineteen. And um, I remember by my side had just just come out. Yeah, we had put that out in May. And started to do a, a few tours on it. Not nothing huge, because um, we self-released it. We didn't have, you know, like a publicist or anything. Yeah. Yet. Um, but then, uh, so yeah, I think By My Side was pretty new at that point. So for probably most people listening haven't heard your music. And so I remember when I first heard your music, um, your dad had posted something online. And it was like, you know, newest, newest single or whatever. And I never heard your music before. And I'm like, this can go one of two ways. Either it's going to be roots music, you know, because that's kind of like really what, what your dad has always done and probably sure. is probably was, you know, probably, probably grew up, you know, with it. So, or it's going to be the complete opposite, you know, <laughs> it'd be like electronica or something like that, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, like a rebel against everything that I've had to oh, listen to, sure. you know. So, um, so when I first heard it, man, I was totally blown away. And what were you hoping it to be? Electronic or uh, Roots? You know, I really had no idea what it was going to be. <laughs> and, but I figured no matter what it is, it's going to be excellent. Because you come from this fantastic musical family. And so I knew no matter what, it was going to be great. <laughs> and uh, the thing that's interesting, because I've turned a bunch of people onto your music, and I'm always like, it's like Motown meets soul meets blues meets rock and roll. But when you first listen to it, it's like you have never heard any of those genres of music before listening to your music. Because it's like, you listen to it, and it's like super fresh, super new, but has this like this vibe that's just awesome. You know, it's like feel good music. It really is. Well, thank you so much. And that's kind of one of the things that I've um, uh, always tried to do as far because, you know, of course, everybody in the band loves and in my family, you know, and everybody loves, you know, the old, you know, roots music, blues music, soul music. Um, but, you know, I, 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 if you kind of go one way or get super retro with it, which I love, you know, I have a bunch of friends that do that. It's super cool. But when you kind of I kind of love mixing the older stuff, but kind of have it. So where like, if you're not a blues fan or if you're just a soul fan, or if you're just a blues fan or, a, or even like a pop fan, you can still kind of relate everybody in all those different circles can still relate to the music, no matter if this song's a little more bluesy on the record or soul or rock and roll, it's still kind of, everybody can still relate to it, even though we're bringing in, the old, you know, what we're pulling from, you know, the old blues stuff or soul stuff, just kind of make it super relatable, but have like an old flair to it. It's really awesome. The new EP is great. And well, thank um, you. so I want to talk a little bit about how you got started, because 
But you started when you were like 12 or 13, right? Yeah, I started off playing um, Hammond V3 because um, I was a, I was huge into like Booker T and the MGs. Yeah. And um, we had uh, a couple uh, Jimmy Smith, Jimmy McGriff VHSs or DVDs. I, it's either or. <laughs> um, but I was huge into V3. And um, then we have this, I think it's DVD. It may still be VHS, but it's stacks. Um, it's like the stacks are, it's like Arthur Conley, Otis wow. Redding. Um, it's one night only in Norway and it's Booker T and the MGs backing up a bunch of the stacks artists. And, um, you know, of course I was loving, you know, what Booker T did, but then I noticed, I kind of noticed, um, Steve Cropper more in that light. Cause I, you know, I never really paid attention to it. Just listening to the records, but seeing him on stage, you know, with the telly and they're all going through Marshall's. So I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. And then yeah. I was introduced to Link Ray. Uh, my dad got me this, um, Link Ray, it's like two LP uh, compilation of it. It's got some rare stuff on it, but it's got, you know, like the hits. And I heard that and I was like, yeah, I want to play guitar. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I started on guitar and ended up playing drums kind of in oh, a wow. similar fashion. Yeah. Yeah, I was playing guitar and then um, saw Gene Krupa and I was like, man, I want to play drums, you know? It's sure. Funny. It's funny how that works. Yeah. And um, so you grew up near like Rochester area, right? Yeah, we 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 um, I grew up probably about twenty minutes right outside in a, in a small town called Webster. Nice. Um, and it's it's still like it even like um, small town, but like it you know fifteen minutes and you're in the city. Very cool. And the New York State is funny because people think New York and they think like city, but New York State has a really amazing music scene especially roots music there's so many good musicians all throughout new york oh, state absolutely the um in rochester even like i mean there, you know buffalo's got its music scene and stuff but there's a lot of cool stuff that happened in rochester because it was one of the early it was one of the earliest boom towns really and yeah i, I i'm not sure i'm not super certain on when you know what time period or year but I, it's one of the early boom towns of America, and they there's just a lot of a lot of great musicians came through there and still live there to this day. There's a, a, a still a cool blues scene that's you know through Rochester, and there's even some legendary people that still live there. Like there's this guy that I'm pretty good. For, I I got to be as we were moving as we were gonna be moving to Nashville. I ended up becoming closer with this guy not super close but um his name is joe beard and he is i think he's 83 or 84 now wow. but he is he's one of those guys that was friends with um Car murphy he grew up in the same um on the same block as bb king oh man and, no just like one of this guy that like knew everybody you know played with john lee hooker played with little Wal uh, not little walter uh Junior Wells, but he was good friends with Buddy Guy, but never like he didn't put out any records until the '80s. Wow! So like he never, because like he you know he lived in Chicago for a while and he grew up in Mississippi, but and he played around a bunch, but he never. Well, I think he started a family, and then he was like, I'll just be an electrician and then you know play music on the side. But then later on, he I think he just went to 
playing music and he he, he kind of I don't know how to say it. He, he he's like an unsung hero of blues music especially in the you know New York region cuz he's kind of like if you want to play blues or you want to be in the blues scene in especially Rochester you know Joe Beer he's like one of the guys that's like oh yeah that guy he's like the top guy and he's super nice super soft spoken but like every time you see him he's like he nails Jimmy Reed and the Eddie Taylor licks. Wow. That's awesome. That's very cool. And he's still gigging. Really? Oh, yeah. He's still got his chauffeur with his white <laughs> Cadillac. Oh, man. It's sick. <laughs> so then, um, so what year did you move to Nashville? We moved in uh, September of 2016. I think it was like the 25th or 20. It was between the 25th or 27th. Um, but we, I remember it's, it's kind of funny cause I was, we had gone down multiple times, you know, looking at houses and looking at, um, you know, looking at, uh, towns outside of Nashville. Cause we knew, especially since my brothers were still in school, mm-hmm. um, finishing up, uh, high school and middle school right now. But when we were first, you know, moving down the, the international, we were going to have to do like, um, we were just looking uh, – sorry, I'm going too fast in my head here. That's okay. We were just basically – we'd come down a bunch of times just looking at areas that um, would suit what we needed because we also needed um, an extra place because uh, my dad's parents live with us. Oh, nice. They have their own separate little house on our property. Oh, that's So great. we needed to find uh, you know, a few different things to accommodate um, what we needed, and we ended up moving to Hendersonville, but I remember – like the night before we moved, you know, the night before we had everything in the, well, we had everything packed, but like the night before we were going to drive to Nashville and be totally there, I was kind of like, is this, is this, is this a good move? Or are we, you know, blah, 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 you know, I'm just thinking in my head, yeah. but then as soon as we got to town and met a few people, it was like, no, 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 this is, this was totally worth the move. Cause we still go back and visit family, but it, um, it uh, it was definitely a, a great move. Yeah, I saw that you've you've played even recently at Abilene's in Rochester, mm-hmm. which is a such a cool place to play. Oh, it's super cool. So many great bands have, have gone through there, you know. I uh, I think last time, well, the last time we went through Abilene, well, uh, let me back up. The last time before COVID. We were there. We uh, Big Sandy had played the night before us, and then we played, you know, after them. But they came and hung out at our gig. Nice. And it, it's one of those cool places where it's like a lot of people in the same scene as you know that I'm friends with, or whatever. Like everybody goes through there. It's one of those clubs in Rochester where it's like, you know, you could see the Blasters, or you could see like a solo acoustic Americana thing. Oh, like Jake Labatt. Like Jake Labatt will play there. Yeah. Or you can see the blasters or you can see, you know, it's just a, a cool or, you know, something super country. It's just a really cool venue that like touring bands love to come through. And Danny, the owner is super nice. His staff is super nice. And That's that awesome. always makes it, you know, 10 times better. Definitely. Definitely. I know the Luster Kings have played there and. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, they're awesome. Actually, the first time I saw your, dad play was with the luster kings 
going way back. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's going it's going pretty far back. Yeah. yeah. Um like probably I think it was like right before he joined Louis Street Jackets actually. Oh wow. So like oh four, oh five. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's going way back. Yeah, I was I was totally blown away at his playing. I think he's probably one of the best drummers in Roots music today. And um definitely has his own style. You know, that's sure. all his own. And and that being said too, man, it's like it must be awesome to have him playing drums for you. And definitely you know, I, I can definitely hear his drumming in your music, you know, because he has like this this rhythm that just drives the song, you know. Oh, totally. It, it when when we're kind of you know when we're going through stuff and it and even playing live, we're, it's just kind of like it's not on, you're not on cruise control because you still got to know what you're doing. But like you know when you're playing rhythm and stuff, it's just having a a, a good drummer that you connect with. It really makes it easier to get through songs and really kind of get in it and groove. Yeah, actually I was just listening to the other day I was at my shop and I listen to Spotify all the time and I was listening to our love is turning around and that track is awesome. It really is. And Thank you. I love, I love how it has like this, this fuzz guitar section. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, that's like the sound. I mean, it really is. It's like, Right out of that time period, you know. Sure. And then it goes back into, you know, like an like an echo kind of a sound, and um, it's just it's just a killer song. There's so many okay. good songs, you know. And I love the trio sound. Another player that I really like who plays with a band um, called Sole Monday. His name is Ray, and he plays. Um, Hammond B and I just I love that sound because you could play like these lead parts but at the same time you're playing bass and it's like it just it oh, adds totally. so much to the music it's like man it's kind of funny we um we were playing in Ventura uh, last November on a uh, West Coast run and uh, we were we were playing this gig and Austin John our uh, the Hammond player in our band he was um, you know because he does the pedals and yeah. um he was soloing and stuff and I was he was doing the bass on pedals holding down chords and he was doing a solo on the top manual on this one song and I could just see I could just see his face like I could see the gears just like grinding in his his head because it's just so much going on yeah because you got one you got because then when you're soloing you can't look at your feet yeah so like you got to know where the the pedals are and you're pulling chords, and you're trying to like solo. It's crazy. I don't. I seriously like. I don't. I don't. It impresses me so much. I'm like, man, how do they do that? Like, I can't. And as a drummer, you know, like I try and be. You know, you're doing one thing with your right foot, another thing with your left. Your arms are doing different things. So, like, I get it. But at the same time, it's like it's just so. It's just so impressive. You know. Oh, totally. It's awesome. With your sound, when did you like? As as far, all the stuff I've heard from you even going way back you know it's like you kind of developed your own sound almost from like the very beginning well i always i always kind of even today i i still listen you know i try to branch out and listen to as much of different stuff as i can but i've always kind of stayed in the same circle of like traditional blues music and soul music and you know of course i, I kind of stay in that triangle of like rock and roll soul and blues and i've kind of i 
I branched out, like, for example, like, Our Love is Turning Around. That's kind of like I was thinking, I don't know, I was listening to something else outside of that little triangle, and I, we decided to do that. And it, it sounds cool. It's a little different. Um, but I always tried to stay, especially in the guitar playing, I always tried to stay in that, that triangle of rock and roll, uh, blues and soul. Yeah. So, and you've been touring all over the place. I've been kind of, you know, it's just funny because I always, I'm always watching, you know, listening to music, kind of watching where you're, where you're going and stuff. And I remember, um, I think it was last year, or like maybe it was the year before, or something like that. But JD McPherson was doing a, um, I guess he was kind of gearing up to do like another Christmas run. Sure. And he was saying that he's like, yeah, you know, I, I got a new drummer, I got a new bass player, and I was like, whoa, you know. And then mm-hmm. um, I was like, right, it just it just it made me smile because I'm like, man, because that to me that was like, all right, you know, they're you're 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 going for it because Jason's like, you know, just just playing with you, you you guys are just out doing your thing full time, you know. Yeah, I you know because I I work at a studio when I'm not on touring, um, but I, and that's a super fun job. I work, I love working in the studio, but. I've always I've always known since about like sixth or seventh grade I've always like this is what I want to do, and this yeah. is really the only thing that I'm good at. <laughs> so I, I better just stick with it. Yeah, it's it's funny because I was like, I always talk about I have a restoration shop, and I'm always talking about doing something else. And I'm like, the only two good things I'm I'm, I'm really good at are like fixing cars and playing music. So if, if I'm not fixing cars and Playing music is like my my only other option. Like I'm not really good at anything else. It's sure, and it, it I mean, um, and it's it, even though I know like I've always wanted to do this, and it's really in knowing like this is like, I, like I know I'm not going to be a carpenter, or I know you know I'm not going to. This is what I have to do. It's still, I still love it, even though it's like oh this is really what I'm good at. This is really the only thing I'm good at, but I still love it. I saw that you opened up for the Mavericks. I mean, yes, man, I'm I'm a huge Mavericks fan. I love their music, and Raúl, you know, blends like Cuban music and all this great stuff together. What was that like opening up for them? Um, well, the the whole crew, um, even their sound crew, road crew, everybody's super nice. That's awesome, and that always makes it so much more fun. Um, and I'm I'm personally a, a big Mavericks fan as well, and I've always they just have a because they can do country stuff and they mix that, like, you know, the Cuban stuff, like you mentioned, but it's still like their own sound. Like you hear, like you could hear the first 10 seconds of a song. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's the Mavericks. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, Raul's voice is great. And they're, um, and we actually, our management team is the same management team as the Mavericks. Oh, sweet. Yeah. They, they were starting to, um, cause they were just managers for the Mavericks and they, we were uh, inquiring about doing some shows with them because Raul had mentioned. So I was, hey, we'd love to do some shows with you guys. And this was pre-COVID. And they were going to be like, oh, that would that, that'd be awesome, you know. And uh, we reached out. My dad reached out. And I'm, hey, you know, things are starting to open up again, you know. Would love to, you know, do some shows whenever you, you know, would love to have an you know, opening act, whatever. And their manager, Michael uh, Reynolds, wrote back and said, Hey, let's, let's get together. Let's grab lunch and let's talk over some stuff, you know, see what's going on, see how everything is and see what you're looking to do. And so we met him with lunch. We met with, I'm um, at the time they have a, a third guy now, Rudy, 
but um, we I met with um, Mike Mike Reynolds and Norman Jacob and uh, Pops and I, and we sat down and had lunch, and they were like they they had mentioned that they're starting their own management team, um, and they we had a couple meetings with them, and they were super interested because um, at that time we hadn't put out still standing by we still had that kind of in the can and they ended up taking us on and one other act to their management team excuse me and um so we ended up becoming so we're on the same management as the mavericks and we i think in the future we're going to be doing a few more shows with them um but nice. we've already got to do a few and it's been super fun yeah they're so good and I, i've seen them a bunch of times raul even I saw him at uh, years ago. There was this really great—I forget what club it was—in Manhattan. They did like it was like him, Rodney Crowell, and like two other people, and they did like a singer-songwriter kind of round where they play each other's songs and they talked about it. And um, he did Blue Moon, just oh, great. him and a guitar, and it, the whole place. I mean, it was a silent. The, Probably one of the greatest moments of my musical life, like hearing that. Sure. It's like, wow. Yeah, because he, it's, man. <laughs> it's, it's funny, just like, he, he's got like such a, he's super, you know, pleasant and, you know, you talk with him. But then when you see him on stage and you hear his voice, like, have you heard that tune they do? It's a Freddie Fender tune uh, before the next teardrop falls. Yes. So I was at, um, me and a good uh, buddy of mine, Jim Harrington, we went to a show in Louisville because Low Straight Jackets were playing uh, with Nick Lowe. And this was right before COVID. Wow. Um, uh, my dad was out with JD at the time. And we were like, I was like, hey, Jim, you want to go to the Mavericks show? It's just up in Louisville. Nick Lowe's going to be there, you know, Straight Jackets. And so we decided to get, make it a little evening trip out of it. And uh, we show up and... Um, uh, we caught a few songs of Nick Lowe with the Straight Jackets, which was super cool, and it was great to talk and hang out with them again. But then, I we, like mid Maverick show, we were we went back downstairs after hanging with those guys, and it was Raul just doing that acoustically. Wow! Mid show, and it was just like him in a theater and this voice just going on and on and on, just echoing through this whole place. And it, I was just like standing, you know, side stage, just like, holy crap. You know, and then yeah. he goes to sing in Spanish. And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely like a treasure. He really is, man. It's yeah. it's good. So, um, man, there's, there's so many things I want to talk about. Um, <laughs> and uh, you did a European tour, right? Yeah, that was um, right. Be uh, that was October or November of 2019. That's awesome. Um, that was super fun. I and when we first went over, I was well. W when we were first going over, you know, on the plane and stuff, getting through the airport in Nashville, I was kind of like, you know, super excited. But at the same time, you know, we only had by my side out, mm -hmm. and I was like, and you know, we never really did a huge press release or anything for it. So I'm thinking. It's gonna be super fun, but like, who does anybody even know about us? Like, <laughs> we're going over for four, like four weeks, and playing all new places we've never played before. Like, who's coming out to this? Like, yeah, I'm like that little sense of you know nervous of like, am I just gonna play every show to like the bar or like the staff of the venue? 
<laughs> and but every show was packed. It was insane. They love American music in Europe. Yeah. You know we uh oh totally, and we were, like every night like right before we hit the stage you can we were up in the dressing room um and you could just hear like the crowd talking and it was just insane because then when you walk out on stage um you know everybody you know at that moment you know everybody's there to hear your music yeah and it only makes you play like five times better you know because you know everybody's you know they're not there to watch a game. Yeah. Or they're, you know, they're not there to just have a beer or whatever. And some, you know, some may, you know, just go because their friends are going or whatever. But the majority, you know, are like, wow, they, you know, they, they've seen a video or they're curious to see what this sounds like or they already know what it sounds like and they're just fans. And that was super exciting. Um, I, the first show we did, uh, we did one club show, um, in, uh, uh, it wasn't Bremen. It was uh, not Belgium. It was Berlin. Sorry. Okay. And we then we played um, the second show was this place called Roadrunners, and it's like this medium sized, like 200, 300 capacity room. And um, I remember the dressing room had like an overlook to the crowd. It was like above. It was like on the second level of the venue, and I, it was like the first time where I like I kind of looked out and i was like i didn't have a panic attack but i was just like <laughs> not like kind of felt like i was gonna be sick for a few seconds i was like oh man is there like a anybody got like a coca-cola around <laughs> i was like super like this is the first time that had ever happened to me like with a show that you know like 300 people in this packed club yeah to hit the stage in a place you'd never been it's kind of like it was like super nervous like for five minutes right before we went on. But then like, as soon as we got on the stage, it was like, it all went away. And then from that point on, it was like, this is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome, man. And I'm glad that, that you were able to, to go over there, you know, and that was, was that like right before COVID, I guess? Yeah, that was, um, so that was one of our last tours before COVID. Cause we did that, you know, it was October and November came back did a few shows in town throughout december um and then uh we didn't we did a i think we did a little run in january and didn't go back out till march but mid-march our halfway through our tour um got canceled because that's when the whole world shut down yeah but we're actually going over there august and september nice. um, we're going to be doing some of our own shows but we're also going to be doing a bunch of shows with the Mavericks. Oh, that's awesome. So that's I'm super cool. looking forward to that. Yeah. That's awesome. Man, I'm 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 so happy for you really from Well, thank you so much. It's just, it's it's great cuz your music's awesome and you know, I've kind of and you're doing so well, you know. It's it's really great. So Thank uh, you. Um and you're playing a <laughs> you're playing a Gibson now, right? Yeah. I nice. uh, what well, it's always varied because I, I always – well, I'll let you finish your question first before I go on a rant. <laughs> well, it's – I guess I've, I've, I've seen you – you've, like, picked up some different guitars. And it's it's interesting because um, I'm, like, a vintage instrument lover. I love vintage instruments. It's like, you know, each one has kind of a soul of its own, you know? Oh, totally. 
So I was wondering what like your take was on on the different guitars that that you played and and own and. Well, I I I, I through the years I've I've traded and bought and sold a bunch of stuff, but right kind of kind of right now I'm in a place where, well, first of all, I don't need any more guitars, <laughs> <laughs> but I I always I always look you know just because, um, but I think right now I I've, I've kind of got. In, uh, guitars where like if i get rid of it i could never get them back for what i got them for yeah you know because i either traded them for something that was cheap or got a screaming deal on it um so i think i'm at a good resting place right now although on the last tour i so i bought this mexican telly it's like all road worn and beat up and it was killer and i was like oh this is gonna be my number one touring guitar you know and I played it around town a bunch, you know, just like making it the number one. And then on this last tour, I, I it really kind of became the backseat guitar because I have that TK Smith Road uh, Roadmaster, which is kind of like that's the top one in my nice. collection. That guitar is just amazing, and I use it on, on for almost everything on every record. It's all it's the only guitar minus a Strat on one song. Um, on that still standing by stuff by my side. That's all. That's all um, the TK um, straight into a deluxe. But I so on this last tour, the Telly ended up getting the back burner, you know, backup guitar. And I still was kind of like, I want to still make it the, the number one. But we ended up going into uh, Depino Guitars in Philly. Nice. And on the wall, I, I didn't notice it at first, but. Uh, my dad was like, "Hey, check this out!" And it was a it's a '61 Reefin 330. Wow! And it's like early it's the early '60s, so it's still like the slim Har the slim Harpo era. Yeah, um, 330, and um, it was Reefin, so it was super affordable, and it was just you could immediately tell somebody played it forever. You know, did you know the small mods to it that they wanted to because it was just it's just a working man's guitar. That's and awesome. I love that. Just a guitar that's it's vintage, but it's also it sounds great. It's affordable, but it's also like been played a shit ton. <laughs> that's Not awesome. just sat on you know a wall yeah. for fifty years. Which I have a few guitars that are like that, and I love them. But I really, I you know, I find myself only playing those at home, which I, it's just cool. But they're made to be played, you know. Yep. Yeah, years ago I had a Gibson acoustic from like the late '40s, and um, it was an awesome guitar. It was, even though it's like a full size guitar, it was kind of on the smaller side. Sure. And uh, it was really comfortable to play, and it had been around for a while. I had to get, you know, frets replaced and all sorts of stuff. But I loved that thing, man. I had it for years. There's something about, you know, when you find a guitar like that. That it's just it's just special, you know. It really is. Oh, totally. And that that this three thirty is now my number one. It also like you know, there's something to be said. Like if it's been played for so many years, it's bound to be a good guitar. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you because know, somebody because somebody wouldn't have played it for so long. And it's it's one of those ones where it was like refinned in the late seventies and eighties. And I recently had a, a dear friend of mine pass away, um, who was deep into the rochester blues scene forever and was like a northeast touring guy and you know soul bands and blues bands in the 80s 
and uh, uh, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, and I was super close with him. Um, and he had a 335, an 80, uh, 82 335 that was natural, had the same tuners. He, he, all the mods that this guy that I was close with did to his 335, this guitar had. Wow. So I was like, ah, there's something. It was like any, and I, and I found, I, you know, played this, I found this 330 two days after he passed away. Wow, man. So just... it was like, they're both natural. They both had the same pickups replaced in the same era with the same replaced tuners. And I was like, and they're both dot neck. So I was like, ah, there's, there's something about this. And um, I, I totally don't regret trading in that telly for this guitar. Yeah, that's like right place, right time. Like that was meant to be yours, you know? Totally. And I actually, I ended up finding the guy, they, they had posted on uh, Instagram, you know, um, the guitar being sold. And um, the, one guy commented and was like, oh, that used to be my guitar. And turns out uh, I'm only the third owner of that guitar. Wow. So it's pretty cool. That is cool. Wow. Were you, were you able to get like a little history on it? From the previous owner? Um, not, I guess so. The guy that owned it right before me had owned it for uh, five years, only like three, four years. Ah. So it, technically, he didn't have it for very long. Yeah. And the owner, I guess the original guy was probably the guy that, you know, that definitely modded it back in the day. That's very cool. So for recording, because I know you're working on some new demos and stuff. We um yeah we had, so we we're, we're coming out with this new actually Friday we're gonna be dropping a single for our brand new live record um it's a full length live record nice and it this one's got the new it's got the new lineup it's got Austin John on Hammond um you know Jason Sway on drums and myself and that's that's we this new lineup we it's coming out of COVID. Because I've been doing gig, we've been doing gigs with Austin John, on because he's a killer guitar player for years yeah. since we moved to Nashville. But during COVID, he was like he was starting to play bass with us because um, he really wanted to join the band. And um, he was like, "Hey, what are the chances?" Because at this point, we were, you know, nobody was touring or every, you know, we were all staying home. And he's like, "What are the chances if like, you know, if I learned to play Hammond, I could join the band?" <laughs> Like, yeah, sure. You know, yeah. If you can learn the, you know, if you can learn the B three, you know, so, you can join the band. And he, uh, at that point, was kind of already in the band, you know, playing bass. But right. he was like, bass is cool. You know, I, you know, Mickey covers the guitar stuff, but it, all the records have Hammond. It just the sound calls for it. So I really want to learn it, you know. And so he did. We said he started learning. We dropped off the B three at his house and in. January of 2021, and we were doing gigs in May. No way! Oh man! And he, yeah, and he, well, he, well, he was like, I only know the, I only know the set. I don't, you know, I, wow. I don't know anything else but the set list. We're like, that's totally fine. But now he's, he's totally just going way above and beyond. And uh, and it was funny because like, it started in January, and he was playing, uh, you know, left hand bass. But like by midsummer. He was starting to do pedals, and um, and I think knowing like the music, what you know, what the B three supposed to sound like, and how it's supposed to be played, and 
you know, just us being all on the same page, he just picked it up so quick. Um, and he was a big B3 fan as well. And it was funny because we did a, a tour with uh, – we were backing up this this soul guy, um, Robert Finley, on a couple of Black Keys dates. Nice. In September. And we got the offer um, – because I, I, Pops and I are, are close friends with uh, Dan because I, I actually work at his studio. And um, he was like, hey, do you guys want to back up Robert you know, for these few shows with us at the Keys? And I was like – yeah, you know, like sure, and you know, let's get the details, and you know, we had to run it through our management and our booking agent and stuff like that. But I was like, hey, Austin, uh, we got some, we got some dates coming up, you know, open up for the keys, and this is like only, this is like six months after he would started to learn the instrument, oh. you know, and he's <laughs> no pressure or anything. <laughs> the keys, you wow. know. Um, but he, um, he's really taking it to, he's really taking to it insanely fast and it's one of the it another thing that having the right lineup it really makes being on the road a lot easier yeah because you don't hate anybody you know you love the people that you're around and you never feel alone i guess you know it kind of it's all the small things that make being on the road a lot easier for sure yeah and honestly this, this lineup is it's like you guys were meant to play together the sound is this, is the sound is so tight. It's awesome. Oh, thank you so much. Love it. It um and this this live record, the first single comes out, which is a, it'll be a new. We'll play some older stuff. We will. There's some stuff on still standing by that will be on this record live. But also, this new live record is going to have two new originals that are going to be on the next studio record. But it's they're not out anywhere else, so it'll only be on this record. And that one of those two songs is the first single. It comes out Friday, and I think this live record really should. Like, if you, if if I handed this CD to somebody, it would give them a really good, like, um, visual or like a, a real good example of what this new lineup sounds like. Nice. Which I'm really stoked about. That's awesome. Yeah. So when you go into the studio, because like I said in the beginning, like, you know, when I when I hear your music, it's it like sounds, you know, like like vintage has all these vintage vibes, but then mm-hmm. at the same time, it sounds like new and fresh. Like if you have never heard soul music before, even though you know you've listened to it all of your life, like it's crazy. So when you go into the studio and stuff, like how, what's your recording process for for your well, music? Well, it's been it's been a few different things, um, and the the one that we've been the the kind of method that we've been doing recently, I think is really kind of working for us. Like the by my side thing that was recorded. All those songs were different recorded at different times. There's different players on it. And I, I still think it's a really cool EP, but um, when like then from going to by my side to still standing by, we went into uh, easy. I sound and um, it's actually, that was Ray on Hammond um, and doing the left-hand bass. Mm-hmm. And we had done the song. We had rehearsed the songs beforehand and then um kind of just went in and tried to bang them out and we did like the bass guitar and drums first laid down the top of the hammond and then overdubs and then vocals but um this last starting to do these demos for the next record we've been doing it all live except for vocals and i really think you know and setting up 
you know, there's mics, you know, there's very minimal mics on um, the drums. There's just an overhead, you know, uh, occasionally I'll throw in the, the snare mic and just bass drum mic. And then there's, you know, a mic on the top of the Hammond and then, uh, you know, the Leslie and then guitar and then a couple room mics. And then that'll be it. You know, we'll just play it how we would play it live, bass and top of the Hammond all live, drums, everything but vocals. And it really, since we, we're super, we try to be super dynamic, going in to mix it, there's no, I don't have to throw on a bunch of, you know, plugins and all this stuff. Right. Because it's just all already super dynamic. And, you know, you just got to, you know, of course, throw on some EQ and reverb. But other than that, it's super, like, if you get some good sounds before you record, you know, you, you know, it's a lot easier to mix. And I think that's really what works for us because we're super, we try to be super dynamic live and in the studio. So when we play just together, it just sounds, um, it already sounds mixed before we start to mix it. That's our goal. Yeah, for sure. You know, and do you guys go straight to tape or? Um, it depends. Usually what we'll do, um, what I've been doing sometimes is uh, we'll, record, we'll record the Pro Tools, but I'll dump all the tracks. And we stay in the eight-track range. So I'll dump it to the eight-track machine, mix it on tape, or we'll you know mix it in Pro Tools, but then run it through tape. It just depends whether, like, what 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 kind of process we want to go to yeah. go through. Sorry. But, um, we definitely tape is definitely involved either way. Yeah. Cause all the, all the tracks have just this warm tone to it, you know? Yeah. It's great. And that's one thing that I noticed, like when you go even listening to records, um, there's something up, you know, pro tools is totally great. It's widely used. Um, and it may, it, you know, it does miracles, but there's something to be said with, you know, roots music, soul music on tape. I, you know, I don't want to get too nerdy, <laughs> but it's just like an instant, like when we record the tape or when I mix on tape, it's instantly, before you hit EQ, it's instantly warmer. Yeah. Like right sure. off the bat. Um, but it, um, it's very, the, to go back to your question, it's very, but we've kind of got a, a method down, I think. That's awesome. Yeah, it is, I, I love the sound of it. You know, it's like, like I said, it's like, I don't know. Is there something about it, you know? Uh-huh. But whatever you're doing, it's, it's it sounds great. Oh, thank you. You know? Yeah. Very cool. And, um... um well, if you wanted some influences, I, 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 I love um, Magic Sam. Um, I'm huge into Hollywood fats. I, and I also I love um, harp players. Like, I'll always try to throw in little Walter licks, but on guitar because nice. harps phrasing was so, uh, you know, like um, another harp player like William Clark, their phrasing was so cool. It's different than guitar playing and playing it on guitar. It makes it cool because it's something different than like what you think a guitar player is going to do. Yeah. Um, but also I love, you know, in tying it in with making the music still kind of sound fresh, but with a, a older, vibe I, I love like huey lewis and bob seeger it's kind of like in the more modern realm yeah and kind of what they were doing because like if you listen to um 
the tune called uh, Hope You Love Me Like You Say You Do by Huey Lewis. Yeah, that's a great tune. It's straight soul music, but it sounds like something. It sounds fresh. It sounds like what, you know, it just sounds new to the era, but it, they're just doing like a 60s soul tune. I mean, they, they wrote the tune, but it's still, you know, in the vein of straight soul music. And I think I've annoyed the guys in the van a little too much because I, I kind of went through, still in it, but I'm huge in the Huey Lewis. Yeah. Like every, like, like, because we take turns DJing, like when somebody else is driving and somebody else is in the passenger seat, it, you know, it rotates throughout the day. And, um, you know, it's when it's somebody's turn to DJ, I'll at least throw in two, three Huey songs <laughs> within my little passenger seat dj set nice. and it's always <laughs> i just get a look from both of them every time <laughs> <laughs> that's funny so did, did uh, you how, how did you find you lewis in the news oh <laughs> uh, so i was so it's it's kind of a funny story so there's this venue in um uh it was like this big outdoor concert a venue in the 80s and 90s uh, in upstate new york it's just like at a fairgrounds thing, and it's it's called Rockin' in Weedsport, Weedsport, huh. New York. Wow. And so, but we got to talking about it because the announcement, the announcer guy is hilarious. He's got like that, I don't know, it's just like that rock 80s commercial style voice. <laughs> and nice. I, one of the guys in the uh, van quoted it, and I didn't know what it was because, you know, that's before my time. And we're all from upstate New York, so they – they knew what it was. Um, so, you know, they're like quoting this thing, you know, it's summer when it's, when they're rocking in weeds for it. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, what the hell is that? You know? <laughs> and so I looked it up and one of the, there's this weeds announcement thing and it's for Huey Lewis. And I didn't know who that was at the time, you know, but there's this guy's announcing and, you know, it's summer, it's, you know, it's summer when it's rocking in weeds for it, you know, Huey Lewis, April, or you know june 23rd blah 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 blah. but they're playing if this is it in the background nice and i was like oh dude this song is dope what is this <laughs> song and i looked it up and i played it for the first time and i was like mind blown i was <laughs> like oh this is killer and then from there i just dive headfirst into the deep end to huey lewis but it was just off this quote that i didn't know about this advertising for this rock concert series in upstate new york that's awesome yeah it's 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 funny how that happens you know you get turned on to music from like the strangest things you know oh totally cool. so so how did you get into to all that stuff originally like did we just did you find like 45s or um well my dad had always had a you know a good sized record collection and cds you know because they were you know super big when i was growing up and um so it always had, you know, blues music playing, um, like Bill Doggett, Booker T and the MGs, um, and even like the Rascals. Yeah. We're all huge fans of the Rascals. And uh, so that always in the house was, you know, in the music room, there was always records playing, whether it was, you know, soul, rock and roll, um, or blues music. And I just always was like, oh, this stuff's, you know, it's something I've always just had in my life growing up. So I've just always just taken to it and I start when I started buying records and stuff um that's just what I started buying because that's just what I, that's what I grew up with yeah 
Very cool. I'm sure being on the road and stuff, do you guys stop at record stores and stuff along the way? Oh, yeah. I, I kind of – we, we there's certain markets, like when we, when we do like a northeast run, there's always record stores and, you know, antique stores. We're like, okay, we got we got time. This Saturday, you know, let's stop, let's wake up early and drive so we can hit this this record store. There's this killer antique store. So there's like certain tours where it's like, okay, we're gonna go through this town. We're gonna go to this record shop. Let me set aside some gig money because I know I'm gonna <laughs> walk in there and say I don't need anything and walk out with three records. That's always the way it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. We're always whenever I'm traveling with my family, and we always see a record store. It's like pull over. Got to see what they have, you know, because you never know what you never know what they're gonna have. Oh, totally. You know, and Discogs is really kind of, uh, uh, it's very dangerous. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like if you're looking for a record, you don't have to go to the store. Yeah, it's just like, oh, Discogs definitely has it. I still love that. Um, that like going through records kind of like oh totally thing it's funny because like you know some place some places there's this place in um like Saddlebrook, new jersey that i used to go to growing up and the place is a mess we actually went there recently again for the first time in a long time and um you know there's boxes piled on boxes piled on we could spend hours just looking through these dusty records you know and of course, the deeper you go, the better the stuff is, you know. Yeah. So it's I, I love that about record. Oh, there's t- you know? totally something to be said about finding because that's when you find stuff you never thought you would. Exactly. Yeah. It's like wow. I didn't I didn't know that I need this, but now that it's in my hand, I have to have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I definitely need this right now. <laughs> exactly. Well, I also um, there was. Uh, have you ever been to the Beachland Ballroom in Cleveland? Yeah. So it's a very the, cool the, place. the little record section down there, every time we'll play, we're, we're playing there in a couple weeks, actually. Nice. And I know, like, I'm going to go down there and want to find something because last time I found this 45, um, I think it, the guy's name is Tony Borders. Um, and the song is, it's a 45, and the song's called Cheaters Never Win. And it's, it's killer. Like I put it on the little like um, uh, preview. You know, you put the record on the on the player in the store, and you listen to that, listen to it on the headphones. And like immediately, I was like, "This is awesome! I have to buy. It. I have to get this." That's great. Yeah, I love that, man. I love, and it's funny. I bought like I also like buying lots. I haven't. It's been a while, but lots of forty fives. Sure. And there's always stuff in there that you never heard, and it's like, wow, this is great. Mm-hmm. I found some really good stuff that way. That's cool. Yeah. The uh, it was kind of funny, but I I had a similar thing with my dad where like I would buy a record at at the store because we had this great um, local record shop in Rochester called the Record Archive. Yeah. And the staff there's like family to us. It's just super great store, and I would go there and. I would buy, uh, you know, I'd buy a record or whatever, and I'd come home and be like, Dad, have you heard this? And he was like, yeah, I have it. You should have just gone through my collection. <laughs> you know, like, I already, yeah, I know what this I, I know what this is, uh, which I always thought was funny. That is funny. Yeah, your, your dad definitely has good taste in music, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know? 
and uh, it's and for with him, I, I think um, didn't your grandfather play also? Yeah, he used to play uh, only locally though. That's cool. He, uh, he, he was a drummer, and actually uh, upstairs in our um, studio, his sets there. That's awesome. Yeah. Man, that's that's very cool. Yeah, it's honestly it's it's always great coming from a musical family because um you know there's always sorts of different instruments. I know from my house we have drums, we have guitars, we have uh you know all sorts of stuff. We have recording equipment, you know. Sure. It's cool to grow up that way to be able to just kind of like explore creativity, right? Kind of mess around with the instruments and oh, Totally. Yeah, I I enjoy it very much. Yeah. What do your uh, What do your brothers do? What are they up to? <laughs> uh, well, my one brother, he's super. He's he's actually my littlest brother. He's about to go into high school uh, wow. next year, and he is. They're actually almost taller than me. What? My other brother, he's going to be graduating early next year, and he's um, they're all as tall as me. <laughs> I'm like the shortest out of the three, but they're both younger than me. But they're all. I, I, it's kind of weird when they, because we all have our different thing. Like yeah. my brother Miles, middle brother, he's super into cars. I mean, we're all into cars and bikes and stuff, but he's more mechanical than me. Um, and he's talked about a couple times because you know, he loves to travel as well. As he's talked about like after graduating, you know, coming out on the road and becoming, you know, the tour manager soon. And I love that because he's super good with money. He's super good with. Um, you know, he doesn't take crap from people. Yeah. Like he's like, and not like in like a, a hokey way or anything. He's just like, he's just that guy. that's like, who would totally kill it at like that sort of job. That's and awesome. he works a ton. Like now he's in high school about to graduate, but he works almost like 40 hours a week at the local family owned hardware store. Wow. And so like, he's into music too. He, we used to play together. Um, he's a really good drummer, but, he ended up becoming super big into martial arts and then into, you know, he ended up, you know, working at the hardware store and, and gotten other things. But, um, um, so we all have like, and my littlest brother, he's into more modern music, but he also loves older soul music. And, um, he, he loves to play airsoft and he's got a bunch of school friends and, uh, he's, he's kind of one of those kids that was like, he's super athletic too, which is totally opposite of, what I was in, you know, middle school. And he's like one of the more like popular kids, which I, I never was, but, uh, but like he, there, boy, we just all have different aspects that we're really good at, but we all like, we still get together. We still get along very well, even though we have our very different like things that we like to do. We all still get to get, get along very well. That's awesome. Yeah, you've you have a great family. And um yeah, I've known your dad for years and years. So it's you know, I, I remember seeing pictures of you when you were like eight years old, you know. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe your brothers are, are taller than you because you're you're pretty tall, man. <laughs> you're pretty yeah, tall. Yeah, I'm just a, I'm just a little taller than my dad. <laughs> so my brothers will be even taller than me. So my dad'll be the shortest. Only by a few inches, but <laughs> Uh, yeah. Cool. So what, um, 
Do you have what gigs do you have lined up? Where can people come see you at? Um, well, tonight we're in Houston um, at the uh, Armadillo Palace. It's our first time in Houston, so I'm, I kind of don't know what to expect. But we're going to be playing the Lone Star Roundup Friday and Saturday nice. in Austin, which is going to be super fun. But then we um, then we come home, and then we're going to be going back to the Northeast. We're going to be playing Abilene again. Um, we're going to be playing a new place in Buffalo, and um, we're going to be playing in – Albany, we're going to be playing this killer venue called The Hangar on the Hudson. Yeah, I've, um, I've been to that place. That's a great venue. It's killer. And it, the, so the same owner um, owns – have you been to the Owl House right across the street? I haven't, no. It's really – it's like a – it's tiny. It's like really tiny, but like my parents saw like the Paladins there. Wow. You know, and it's just a really cool like touring venue. Like JD's played there. Um, Luster Kings many a times, um, straight jackets play at the hangar. Um, but then I think then we're going to go back to the beach land after that. And I think we play, um, Grand Rapids after that, we're going to be playing at the tip top to Lux. Um, and then we'll be off for a little while because we do have a like local residency gigs in town, but, um, we're not going to be going back out till June. Um, and then nothing really in July, just local stuff. Um, cause then we go overseas in August and September. That's awesome. Yeah. And Nashville, man, Nashville is such a great place. How do you feel about being in Nashville and playing gigs there? Like, are there certain, when you first moved there, did, were there certain places that you like gravitated to? Um, when we first moved there, it was like the, one of the within the first week uh, moving there, my dad took me down to see uh, Kenny Vaughn, um, Dave Rowe, and this drummer uh, Jeff Clemens at their Monday night gig, and like we were there for like ten minutes, and I turned to him and I was like, "Why did we move to Nashville? Because it's just like everybody was so good." Yeah, you know. But then realizing, you know, that's good that everybody's better than you because then it just makes you play that much you know it just makes you want to play better because you you have to be playing better because you have to be you, the bar you know is kenny vaughn guthrie trap you know i mean like these top-notch guys and you know if you want to make a name for yourself not that you have to play in the same style right. as them because you know, they can go on and on and on um you know soloing and do these you know big solos and get really nice and fancy and, you know, fast and this killer playing. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to play like that. It just means you just have to play at your best yeah. at what you do. Because there's a, you have guys like that that are and that are so good. It, you have, you know, I don't know. And it's never like a competition thing because everybody has their own thing. But it just pushes you, you know, to have that aspect of always going for it. Because, like, you're never going to be the top guy. There's always going to be somebody better than you. Yeah, that's true, actually. You know, I feel like as long as you're true to yourself, you know, there's only one you. So there's always going to be people better. There's always going to be people that are trying to be better, maybe not as good as you, you know. But as long as you're always, you know, you, there's only one you. So Totally. Yeah. Very cool. And, um... So where can people buy your stuff, listen to your music? 
Um, you can go to McKinleyJames.com, and actually right now we have a, a spring uh, cleaning T-shirt sale. Um, T-shirts are down. There's a few T-shirts designs that are down, um, discounted a lot, um, and their CDs. We're out of our 45s right now. Um, that was like a limited press we did with um, Jim Heath of Reverend Horton Heat. Nice. Um, but we have all the CDs. There's new stickers. Um, there's new T-shirts. And um, you can also go to my uh, McKinley James. I think it's McKinley underscore James on Instagram. Uh, my Facebook, I, I post um, almost daily about, you know, what's going on. And um, the show's coming up and videos are playing and stuff like that. Um, we do also have, you can also check out McKinley James on uh, YouTube. We have like a YouTube channel. I'm starting to post some stuff. It's got live footage and it's got um, uh, some cool stuff like that. Nice. Well, it was great talking to you. Likewise, and Chris. This was super fun. Yeah. Tell your dad to say hello. I will do. And thank you so much for taking the time for having me on the show. Yeah, man. Thank you. It's, you know, I, I always, I always love catching up, especially, you know, with yourself, your dad, the, the roots music scene. I, I, I love it so much. It's like, I grew up listening to a lot of that stuff, playing it in, within that scene for years. It's, it's great. And it's great to, to have a new kind of fresh sound that, that you bring to it. I love it. It's great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, man. All right. I'm have a good this day. Next record people. Um, Cause this next one's going to be a full length. So I'm hoping people dig it. Um, this def this next studio record will definitely be vinyl. Sweet. For sure. We've been, we, we sold out of those 45 quick cause that was the only sort of, that was the only thing of vinyl we had. And I know people were really asking a lot for it. So we definitely will be doing vinyl in the future. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, have a good day, man. It was really great talking to you. Well, and, thank you um, so much. Yeah, this was super fun. Hopefully you'll see you sometime in the near future. Okay. All Sounds right, good. I'll talk to you later. Yep. Right. Take care. Bye. Bye. This episode has been sponsored by Drum Lessons by Chris. You can find information about my drum lessons and this podcast at www.chrissenegetto.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, or you can email me directly at chrissenegettodrums at gmail.com.